Welcome to another week of the Soccer Thread Podcast. Uh, I'm Dan Schrader. I'm in Portland, Oregon. Um, I'm going to spare you the weather update today, but we did get a nice email that included a weather update from a listener this week, and I really, really appreciated that. So uh, thank you, Pedro. Uh, We'll get on to the rest of your email later, but keep those weather updates coming. We're going to go from most joyous to least joyous for this introduction. Colin Smith, joy meter on Mars, baby. Still on Mars. Yeah, Joy Meter's still on Mars. We'll get onto that. Um, but I wanted to, uh, this is this is not good um, audio content, but I wanted to bring a little joy to the rest of the pod today because um, you know I have so much. And so what I did is I, I reached out to a good friend of ours um, and made a little something happen. As you, can, you can probably see my screen oh, right now. No way. But, oh, yes. Oh, please this, zoom in. Please zoom in. This is the stands at Antigua GFC, um, Antigua Guatemala Football Club. And as you can see, there is a cardboard cutout of Mr. Ryan Timothy Palmer uh, in the back row. This is such bad audio content, wow. but it's so good visually. Amazing. So, yeah. Holy shit. Palmer is, is in the fifth row deep. Is that the fifth row deep? Yeah, the last row uh, at Antigua GFC this weekend uh, next to this, uh, you know, kid and, and that kid. Next to a Quite baby. Frankly, he's next to a baby and about a 12-year-old. Uh, suspect. Not, they, suspect. They put him right yeah. in the middle of the family section. Yeah, right. he's in the family Wrong. section. He's yeah. That picture of him uh, is absolutely did. him dr- drinking in the family section at Antigua that, GFC. That choice. He yeah, is in the back was... of the back of the class. Which did you request that? Were you like put him? I in did the not last request that possible? seat, but I mean, I, I absolutely would have said, you know, put him way away from the rest of the fans. Like I, that's that's just the groundskeeper like just knowing don't, don't deserve this. They the, just uh, knew that he shouldn't be in the front. The yeah. the people should know that that photo. I am wearing a cutoff of a Lil Wayne um, shirt. Correct. So, uh, and I think I'm also wearing a um, knockoff uh, Louis Vuitton. Um, also correct. Yep. Man purse. You're you're one of the only people in the crowd at Antigua GFC, which is a crowd of you know maybe I don't know. It's a pretty good looking crowd to be honest. 150 yeah. people. Yeah. Uh, you're one of the only ones who's not Plus wearing two dogs. a kit. Yeah. Or is Three a dog. Dogs. And there is a dog wearing a kit. So I mean. <laughs> Like you're pretty much standing out. You're definitely I, like less. In, you're you're less uh, at home there than a dog wearing a kit. I, I love so. I love I'm the so Venn honored. diagram of this. It's just people wearing kits, dogs, then one dog in the middle of the Venn diagram, and then Ryan just on the outside. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah, that's I Ryan. Am and so uh, honored. I have to. Lil Wayne and Louis Vuitton. Disappointingly, it's uh, a separate circle. Yeah. <laughs> I have to report that you uh, have not brought them luck. They lost zero to one in their first game that you attended. I mean, um, are we surprised after this yeah, morning? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so they were probably distracted for, by that dude in the stands. Tough like, break for Antigua that that we are there. Um, but uh, yeah, you'll be there all season. Oh, oh, that is incredible. Wow. I'm sorry. Thank you. That's amazing. And I'm sorry to the to those those poor fans. I mean, shout out Antigua. Great idea to get some uh, revenue streams coming in because 
There are a lot more cutouts there than we saw a couple of weeks ago when absolutely. Rudy originally emailed that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So they are uh, they found a way to to make a little money. Good for them. Uh, that is amazing. Uh, so everyone's joy meter just went up a little bit more, but relative to each other, uh, Mike Samuelson still right in the middle. I think I'm where Colin was. My joy is now so high. Oh, you made up. Colin, you made up joy. Colin is he's bumped up ahead of me. Um, you know, first time on the pod for a few weeks. Uh, wife and I were coming back from the grocery store this morning, and she's like, "You might be a little rusty today." So we practiced. <laughs> we did a little banter walking home from the grocery store. So I, I oh, think nice. I'm ready. It was it was rough. Let me tell you, my banter was rough. Uh, <laughs> but that's why you that's why you practice. You got to get that stuff out of the way before you know the big game. So yeah. I'm ready. Yeah, don't want to pull a hammy. <laughs> stretch it out stretch out the vocals all right and sitting in some dark dark corner in portland oregon hood on just yeah just frowning <laughs> just yeah i mean i'm so here we are, for the listeners we are like literally uh this zoom call started before the end of the tottenham west ham game mm-hmm. and palmer did not come on until just after the banger um, he's not in a good place right well, now, folks. Well, what I can tell you is I, I'm I'm potting from a different location today. Uh, I'm in my bedroom. Uh, I probably shouldn't have brought this rain cloud up here. Uh, so <laughs> cheats are gonna get all wet. Uh, that's gonna be that's gonna be bad. Um, <laughs> and uh, I I was up here before the end of the game actually, um, and then I looked at the score and it was three to two. Uh, as I was preparing for the pod, so I was like, I guess I got to go watch this. Um, Should, shouldn't have. I probably should have just stayed. I wish that Narrator. I wouldn't. Yeah. I, it was, uh, <laughs> this was just, yeah. So uh, I don't even know. I'm a little shook right now. Let's just get on with this shit. Uh, we'll, we'll get to it. Uh, as we are wont, we'll start with emails, and we've got a ton of them. Mike, help us Holy out. Holy crap. So, um, <laughs> we don't, we're not going to read every email today. I'm just going to, I'm just going to be honest. Some people send in multiple emails. We're not going to read everyone, but we still got, even with that being said, this is probably the most emails we've ever received in, you know, 200 plus episodes of, of podcasts. So strap in fellas. We are thankful and joyous for that. <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> all right. First email is from Raymond Orozco. He has a question. I don't even know if we should let Palmer answer this because he just might go off on a negative tangent right now, but we'll put it out to the group. Just how talented is this group of young Americans? And he asked this with kind of the asterisk of like, you know, a lot of U.S. men's national team uh, fans, Twitter people are are really, really pumped. We got a lot of players at big clubs. Um, but, you know, what what are our actual expectations for this team? if we're being realistic uh, for the next, or I guess for this World Cup cycle. I'll throw it to you, Dan. You're, we don't know how happy you are, so this is kind of a wild card. <laughs> I'm pretty happy. I'd say I'm pretty happy. Uh, not a great weekend for uh, Americans in Europe, but in general, you can't let a little blip. Uh, I'm smiling because Colin is showing us the cutout again. Uh you know, one one kind of bad weekend, you can't let that affect your outlook for the next uh, six to ten years of American soccer. Uh, as we've discussed quite a bit, I'm 
not really confident in the coaching staff and the setup around this group of players to actually maximize them, which is something uh, that Raymond brings up in his email. Um, Argentina with Messi and how Portugal have done it differently with Ronaldo. Um, I think the ceiling for this group is like a World Cup semifinal. I think if we get to a semifinal and lose, that it, that's a ceiling. Yeah. I think the floor needs to be getting out of getting out of a World Cup group. That if you've got players that are all playing at Champions League clubs, um, you should be getting out of a group against you know your um, I don't know whoever right. Get out of a group against Paraguay right. Um, so that's my floor and my ceiling. Colin, I, I saw some head movement. I couldn't tell if it was shakes or nods. I mean, just the, the the potential to get to a World Cup semifinal, and I don't disagree with that, uh, is quite exciting. Um, and, and quite frankly, I don't think we had that bad of a week or whatever in uh, men's national team guys. Like Aronson sealed the deal to Salzburg. I think he's a guy who all of a sudden, I mean, he needs to continue to progress, but he... Is another he is all of a sudden if he can do that gives us depth in the midfield or like competition for places. Um, you'd start to think okay we in the past we've been thinking about a four three three type setup and the three midfielders two of them being McKenney and Adams like locked for the next ten years. Well then you have Gio Reyna and, and Aronson all of a sudden uh, both playing at Champions League clubs right now. Uh, one of them is on the bench like or you know one guy can get hurt or whatever. But that's the kind of, I think, um, as we think about like actual success, it, the, the reality is like guys will be hurt and guys will be out of form and guys will be whatever. Um, and having like depth like that is not something that the U.S. has ever had, ever, ever, ever had. Even when we had, you know, success at World Cups, it's always been like, a you know, a couple guys carrying us and, and OK, yeah, McBride and Donovan are good or whatever the case may be, but um that kind of standout goalkeeper play keeping us in games exactly yeah yeah. so yeah that's exciting i mean i think uh, the like what you what you brought of like ceiling and floors dan i think is an interesting way to look at it because um it's a tournament right and like in tournaments anything can happen and you know in 2002 the u.s was not that far away from a world cup semifinal so i think like that's the, the level you're talking about is kind of like maybe where we're at in terms of our team. Like we're definitely, we don't have more talent than a lot of other countries, but in a tournament, you know, we play really well or we get a good draw or whatever, like anything can happen. Get some good um, VAR. Got to get some good VAR. Get some yeah, great yeah. VAR. I mean, um, I'm going to, I'm going to just kind of try to temper everyone's expectations here. <laughs> surprise, because, surprise. Yeah. I think, you know, I think, on paper, we have a great, great, talented squad. And yep. we have not seen this team play together yet, right? Correct. And so it's very easy. Cliff is going to go crazy. Paper game. It's going to. It's very easy <laughs> to, to kind of like try to predict and see what is actually going to, or, you know, try to predict what's going to happen with this team. Um, but we have to play the games, right? Like we have to be able to... Uh, you know, Burhalter has to put the right te- right team on the field. Like, there's a lot of different variables that go into this. Yes, we have an insanely talented squad, and quite possibly the most talented squad that we've we've ever had. But like, uh, they have to play the game, and 
they have to play all 90 minutes. Um, so, you know, fuck this shit. Just, I'm tired of this. I'm, this is, I shouldn't watch the last 10 minutes of that game. It's going to change everything of this pod. End of your week. Um, I would also say that I, so 2022 will be a learning experience for this group. And for Burhalter, it'll probably mean that he gets fired. And that's okay. Uh, and then, tw- because like most of those guys in 2022 are like early 20s or late teens, even like Gio Reyna will be late teens. Um, and then 2026, World Cup at home will be like the test. They'll be like, mm-hmm. this is the golden generation. We fired Burhalter and we brought in somebody who's a, I don't know, that's too far away to know who. Ancelotti. Ancelotti, who <laughs> is aging, aging rapidly, but uh, has a great pedigree. He took Everton to a Premier League title and Champions League. And, uh, but it'll be somebody who sees that talent level that the U.S. has and says, oh, I could be the guy, right? Um, and we'll be able to get somebody better than we deserve in a way or better than we've had in the past, um, better pedigree of a coach. And I think that, so it's six years from now and a lot can happen in between. Like these guys could all have career ending injuries or something, but I don't think 2022 is the, the readout for these guys. Here's the other thing. Six years from now, we've got another six years of trout that yeah. are, you There's know, little trout. 11 year old kid right so, now who we've never heard of, who's going to be playing right. for Dortmund. Exactly. And, you know, that assumes that this trajectory is not some just bubble. Um, And we've seen bubbles in the U.S. development pipeline before. Hopefully that's not true now. Like maybe we're a little more developed, we're a little more established. And this wave is not just a a blip, right? But six years from now, yeah, exactly. The next Gio Reyna will be pushing the current Gio Reyna for that spot in midfield. Uh, So you would hope. You would hope it only gets uh, more and more hopeful. I mean, can we just qualify for the World Cup? Can we just focus on that? <laughs> I mean, it might not even point. be World Cup Absolutely. qualifiers. It might just all be like FIFA rankings, based on the way things are going. I mean, twenty twenty six with a host, right? That's true. Yeah, we're in. For- <laughs> can't can't mess that up. Um, just because uh, Colin. Uh, uh. <laughs> all right, guys. Let's get, let's right. get through November right, fourth before right. we decide. You know, your energy was kind of funny at first, but I'm I'm starting to I'm starting to uh, <laughs> turn on it a little bit. Starting how to feel how the rest of us feel every week with you, Mike. Uh, we're currently 23rd in the ranking, so right, we're, we're not like we're not a lock. How old do you guys think Carlo Ancelotti is? Just because Colin mentioned him. Oh, he's not as old as you think. You're damn right. 60s. I would have said yeah, like 67. He's 69. 61. He's 61. For reference, Jose Mourinho is 57. So Ancelotti is only four years older than him. That man is living Uh, hard. Wow. Ancelotti, I think he looks. I think he looks all right. I mean, he he looks like an Italian dude who's in his 60s. He looks better than Jose. Yeah. He probably likes uh, pasta and wine a little bit more than Jose does, and that's the (laughs) difference. Nothing wrong with that. Absolutely and, nothing. Yeah, wrong I'm with not that. upset. I'm not upset about that, Carlo. You do you. Carlo has had more dinners with mob bosses. That's all I'm saying. Allegedly, man, I would love for Ancelotti to be allegedly to be the U.S. men's national team manager. Allegedly, 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 allegedly. Yeah. Bring him in. Bring him in. Uh, you know, U.S. soccer. Make it happen. All right. Next email. Uh, Trevor McDonald. I think this is a new emailer. Uh, so, you know, that's exciting. Even 200 episodes Welcome. in, we can get new emails. So, hello, Trevor. Hey, Mac. <laughs> We're growing. 
Yeah, we're growing. Uh, he says, we got a little quiz, and I know this group loves a quiz. Since Gonzalo and Freddie uh, Iguain are teaming up at Inter-Miami, I have a 10-question quiz of brothers and their teams. Oh, so wow. I will if this read isn't off- all about Diego and Jimmy Chara, I'm yeah. quitting. I'm screwed. Wow. Spoilers. Uh, <laughs> but no, I don't think they're in here. Um, all right. I will read off a question. And I don't know. You guys can just shout out answers, I guess. Cool. Cool. Yeah, that sounds good. Right. Colin's going to win this. I'm already predicting. All right. I'm the this only fir- one without a brother on this podcast. So I've really studied other brothers a lot. <laughs> <laughs> this first one is casting a lot of shade on a younger brother. Gary Neville played on what team with which were with which brother? Manchester United with Gary Neville. Neville. Yeah, it's uh, Manchester United with Phil. What do you mean? Right. Yeah, that's that's the answer. Yep. Okay. Okay. Which brothers played on Manchester City? Bonus point if you sing the chant, Ryan Palmer. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Cola. Palmer, Palmer's so upset that normally he would yell that chant. All he would do, all he would do, is just smile when Dan was doing it. It hurts my heart, Palmer. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm not in the right headspace right now to be, be to be singing the Yaya yeah Toure song. Mm-hmm. It's fair. Uh, which half of these former FC Basel brothers is in Arsenal, and who is the second brother who has stayed with FC Basel? Oof. Oh, I don't know his brother's name, but I know the one of them. Give us the yeah. last name. Xhaka. I mean, he's got to be. He's the only Swiss oh. guy, right, on Arsenal. Yeah. That's yeah. Mike's favorite player. Oh, my God. He is the worst I start feeling like Palmer feels right now when I think of Granit Xhaka. Uh, his brother's name is Taluant. Yeah, we yeah, never, that. never. That's a that's a tough one. That's a lot tougher than the first two questions. Yeah, for real, these questions went from zero to six. All right, growing up in the Swans Academy, Jordan and his brother have made appearances for the Welsh club. Who's Jordan's older brother? Andre. Correct. Ayu. Andre Ayu. Yeah. Yeah. Lars and Sven Bender have played together at two German clubs. What are they? Never even heard of these guys. I, was just, I could name two German clubs. You want me to do that? Sure. That's a good place to start. Wolfsburg. Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, Mainz. Hoffenheim. 1860 Munich and Bayer Leverkusen. So, Colin, you oh, get points. Oh, nice job. One thing I like about the way uh, Trevor set up this quiz is he assigns like certain points for each one or says like bonus points if you do this, like we're going to keep score. Like, sorry, Trevor, we are not that put together. All right, halfway through. Uh, These Brazilian twins came into Man United at the same time. Rafael was the more successful of the two. Who was the other brother? Fabio. Fabinho. Is that right? Yeah, Fabio. Fabio Fabio sounds right. Yep. Nailed it. Uh, these two brothers played with Jordan Ayew. Wait, can we confirm that like maybe they just switched jerseys and maybe Fabio was more successful? Yeah, those, than... those are not just brothers; they're twins. Twins, wow. yeah, and so... very. I mean, I don't know if they're actually identical, but I mean, from the pretty identical outsider's perspective, yeah. Palmer coming with the conspiracy theories. I love it. He's <laughs> got the little tinfoil over his head. JFK wasn't uh, announced as actually alive yesterday, so I'm trying to, you know, revamp some of these cons- conspiracy theories. Let's do it. Hey, all I'll say is there's actually three of them, and that when one would get oh. hurt, they just put in the third one. <gasps> Fabio, Raphael, and that, he doesn't have a name. Yeah. Leonardo. Have a name. He's just whichever he needs to be. <laughs> He's just on deck. <laughs> Number three. Nebulous Number one. Number three, get in there. You're Fabio today. 
All right. Number uh, three. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, these two brothers played with Jordan Ayu at Crystal Palace. Who are they? That's a tough one. There's not a lot of clues uh, there. They're Belgian. The... I'll, I'll tell you that. Oh, that ruins my guess. Oh, no, I have no idea. Give me first name. Give me a first name. Uh, one of them. Christian is the more famous. Benteke. Benteke. Yep. Apparently he brother? has a brother named Jonathan. I didn't know that. Sure. No points <laughs> awarded. Uh, we have a set of ginger brothers who made a huge impact at Newcastle last year. Who are they? Long the ginger staff. brothers? Correct. Sean you, and Maddie. Yeah. I just call them the ginger brothers. <laughs> so I get the points for that one. Yep. Good job. Pa- I think Palmer's winning. Uh, all right. Two more. Don't worry, I'll fuck it up right at the end. <laughs> uh, Prem and MLS manager burnout, Frank and Roger DeBoer, played on five clubs together. I mean, Trevor says guess two, but I'm going to just say guess all of them. Ajax. Ajax, Barcelona. Ooh, good point. Maybe PSV. That would be crazy. Rangers. Tampa Bay Rowdies. Tampa Bay Rowdies, bingo. Uh, <laughs> no, Ajax, Rangers, Barca, Al Rhein, and Al Shamam. Oh, they went oh, to the Middle East, Middle East at the East. end. Got it. Yep. Mm. All right. And your last uh, your last question, Palmer, maybe just like don't answer this one. If you don't answer it, I don't think you can lose. Okay. Uh, playing together in their youth club, Gambian Port Authority, these two faced each other several times in MLS. One of the twins played for the Sounders, Earthquakes, and Impact, while the other played for the Revolution and DC United. Hmm. Yeah, it's a tough one. I, oh, no. I refuse oh, to no. answer. I feel like there's a huge... A just huge, park the bus, Palmer. Just park the bus. Uh, just like a huge gap in the easiness and hardness of questions here. There's like some, like Gary and Phil Neville, and then this one, Sana and Sane Nyasi. I mean, you got to be Sana deep. Sana and Sane? That is yeah. You got to be deep into NMLS fandom to to get these. I have heard the last name Nyasi before. That's that's as close as I'm getting to that. I'm pretty sure we're listed on the MLS website as a podcast to listen to, so <laughs> yeah. we we should be so, deep into. The yeah, MLS we know fandom. there, man. We just yeah. lost our credentials big time. Boy. Um, they're gonna strip Colin, us. Didn't didn't the union have a a set of brothers or twins? The Farfan oh, brothers. Oh, the Farfans, um, Gabrielle and Michael. Boom. Where, where where are you on that one, Trevor? Give us the easy questions that Colin knows. Yeah. And the Charas. The Charas. The Timbers currently have brothers playing for uh, them. Yeah. Michael Farfan is a great like um, cautionary tale. He likes he he scored like a amazing chip goal in a friendly against Real Madrid. Had a good half a season. I think was an MLS All Star, and then was like out of soccer in two years. Oof. Like. Uh, Seattle Sounders have a pair of brothers. Name them. Oh, uh, Roldan, Christian, and Roldan. Alex. That's right. Oh, that's right. Well yeah. Done. Just keep on rolling, baby. Keep on rolling with those twins questions. <laughs> um, I got. That was good. That was that was a nice little little bit of trivia, Trevor. So thank you for that. Oh um, no, there was no uh, Beasley. Uh, what's Beasley's brother's name? Demarcus Beasley's oh, brother. Jamar. Yeah, I think Jamar. Yeah. Yeah. Fort Wayne in the house. Um, any any requests for future trivia topics? Ooh. Think about it. 
think about I mean, it. Well, now that we did brothers, I would love to do fathers and sons. Oh, all right. That would be good. That would be good. Fair. I, I wrote a soccer related trivia question last night. Would you like to hear it? Please, Dan. Liverpool FC won the Premier League title this year, breaking a 30 year uh, title drought and bringing their 19th trophy back, uh, 19th league trophy back to Anfield Stadium. They, however, were not the first tenants of Anfield to win the league title. Who was? Like Colin into this one. I mean, yeah, there Everton. we go. Everton. That's right. Everton used to play at Anfield until the owner of Anfield, who was uh, an old rich man, tried to raise rent on the People's Club, and the People's Club was like, "Nah, we'll go. We'll go build our own uh, stadium." So they moved to Goodison, and then the old rich man started Liverpool FC to fill his own stadium. Uh, and that is your history. Love it. Which most of you probably knew. Great trivia. Yeah. yeah. You, can't, great. you can't know Colin for as long as we've known him without knowing stuff like that. Great, great trivia. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next email. Speaking of money, uh, email from George Robbins. He says, with the drop of Project Big Picture, it's very clear that the top clubs in the Premier League want more power and more money. If this is the case, then I'm confused. The Premier League is a big TV property as the Champions is as big a property as the Champions League, and it's the largest source of revenue for clubs. Presumably, TV rights owners would want to pay less if they are getting less content because the league shrinks. Has the EPL not realized that it is a television entertainment brand first and a sports league second? Ryan Palmer. Uh, what what is the question? <laughs> is the Premier League a television brand or a sports league? I mean, um, it's both. I mean, it's a business, right? So, like, you have to run it as a business, and this is how they get most of their money. So, it is with all of like the um, behind the scenes, the all or nothing stuff. The it's it it is a television. It's an entertainment business. And sports is entertainment, so yeah. I mean, it's a television brand. Um, I I don't understand. I, I'm not sure what the question is or what the confusion is here, because like, so the question is really that the big picture, uh, whatever thing that uh, Manchester United and Liverpool were the two clubs in the Premier League to come out in support of this of this proposal or whatever that involved the Premier League shrinking from 20 to 18 teams. Right, and the question is, why would they? I mean, George's question is, why would you want to shrink shrink from twenty to eighteen teams? That means less games, and games equal money, basically, on a television basis, right? Yeah. Um, so why would they do that? That seems stupid. If 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 really what they're doing is trying to make television shows, basically. Um, and my response to that is, most countries, including their home domestic market, which remains their main source of revenue, uh actually don't broadcast most of the games or all of the games rather the u.s is one of the only places you can get every single game and right. i'm assuming though i don't know the data that uh really what generates money for them is games between their biggest teams right like that's yeah, what it's like it's like the nfl here in the u.s right yeah, like exactly. Like the NFL here in the US, right? There's a bunch of games at the same time. You turn on Fox, they have whatever nationwide game. It's the right. Cowboys and somebody, right? And that's what happens in in um in England, right? Hate, 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 hate. Fuck, I hate the Cowboys. Um uh but anyway, the point being that 
the Premier League, whatever, money makers are like, look, these bottom of the table teams are just dragging us down. Like, I guess, um, you know, we'd rather have less fixture congestion, do better in, in, in the Champions League, maybe be able to grow other sources of revenue, do other things with our teams. Our teams are wasting their, our top teams are wasting their time playing bottom feeder club these these bottom of the table clubs who don't have the significant level of investment blah 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 um, and they're not driving television revenue so uh i don't know if that's true or not but i think that's the idea at least um, well and so and also like the more teams the more you have to slice up the pie yeah and so i think united and liverpool are betting that any loss in revenue from having slightly fewer fulham games on tv is going to be offset because you're now cutting the pie into 18 slices instead of 20 slices. Daniel? Oh, yeah, I raised my hand. Um, <laughs> I have an idea. I'd like to merge a couple of ideas. Uh, the Premier League has previously talked about adding a 39th game for each team and doing it at some neutral venue. So the way to handle all of this is to cut the league down to... Um, a size that allows for three rounds of games. You've got a home fixture, an away fixture, and a traveling fixture between all clubs. Uh, that way, you make all of the money and you screw all of the little clubs. Uh, and thank you. That is Thread Consulting LLC at gmail.com. We'll take our millions. We'll take just just Venmo. Spoken consulting, like a grubby capitalist. The one thing is that the S in consulting is spelled with a dollar sign. So yeah, you can't. Please. Yeah. Get, get that. Get that. Get that right. Yeah. The C is spelled with a little copyright symbol, also. <laughs> <laughs> Although, actually, I don't hate that idea. That'd be kind of fun. I mean, I hate the idea of the league getting dropped down to uh, being whatever that works out to thirteen teams. teams or something. Yeah. 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 Um, but like having a third of your league games played at like neutral venues around the world would be kind of dope. And the, the very, thing I hate the most about one. these proposals is they also like create an explicit haves and have nots. Like the idea is that like a certain number of these teams are going to be unrelegatable um, and are like controlling and get more money and all this kind of stuff. And then there's like a certain other number of teams that are filler and they can get relegated and they can, but they, and their economics are different and clearly they will be different in the TV deals and things like that. Like how much they will be on TV or whatever, which isn't I think that, is stupid. But isn't that how it's set up anyway? Like, uh, you know, Manchester no, I mean, United is not is unrelegatable. I mean, I mean, theoretically, not, right? Yes, they're not, but like they could technically in the yeah. spirit of the game, they they are right. But like, I mean, they're Premier not. Premier League winners they're, have been relegated. Blackburn yeah. has gone down. Newcastle has gone down. Leeds, right? yeah, but like, not since Leeds. not since like the big big TV deals where they like it has spanned the globe. I agree with you. And like, I agree with you. But isn't it fun if when like. Um, maybe United is, is doing a little better, but you know, early in the season, we see, we often see one of these super clubs like in 16th place. And it's a little bit of fun to see them shitting their pants and being like, Oh fuck. Like we got to turn this around. And if there wasn't there, you'd get the situation where it is in American sports, where we've been talking about with MLS, like where they can just, you can just tank and it doesn't matter. We'll play all kids the rest of the year. This, this doesn't matter. Right. Right? So, These types of proposals come up every once in a while, right? So this is the one in the Premier League now, but we get the like the European Super Club, yeah, uh, Super League, yeah, league proposal yeah. every couple of years. Uh, so it feels inevitable that at some point 
some super clubs are just going to break away and force this either some domestic or some European wide league. Um, Mike, when do you think that will happen? Like, if it's inevitable, how long do we have before it actually happens? I actually don't think it's inevitable. Like, I think there will be maybe some kind of evolution where, like, domestic leagues get smaller or, like, domestic cup competitions go away and we see more Champions League games or something like that. But I think destroying, uh, destroying like, domestic leagues... Uh, would alienate a lot of fans, including fans of big clubs. Because, like, you know, if you're a Liverpool fan and you now all of a sudden never play Everton, like, I don't think you like that as a Liverpool fan. I think that's a huge, a huge bummer. Um, yeah. So I, I think, like, obviously there's a lot of financial incentive to make this thing happen. But, um, I mean, like, the big picture idea that was floated was shot down by Premier League clubs because most Premier League clubs didn't benefit to it and so like how do you not only shot down the what the ceo of everton demanded an apology from liverpool yeah denise yeah denise love it love it everton everton uh even all the way up to the ceo they're all feeling really good about themselves these days (laughs) exactly she's like yo we're top of the league so you better listen to me you better (laughs) apologize you small clubs liverpool and united i just yeah i i just i the only way this happens if if somehow you can get a majority of Premier League clubs to vote for it. And I just think if you're like an Everton or a West Ham or a club that's pretty big, but not a big, big club, like it's going to be really hard for you to vote for anything that gives more power to the big clubs because you can just see that being a slippery slope. And, you know, you it goes from a 20 team to an 18 league and then 16. And then all of a sudden, like, it's just your big six clubs and three other clubs. And then they just push you aside. So... I don't know. I just think uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to do it through some kind of like official way. And the only the only way it'll happen is if your super clubs all just do a big fu and just like play completely outside of UEFA, FIFA, their national federations. And I just don't see that happening. The money's there. It's gonna happen. But yeah, big big fu. <laughs> for the big big clubs but like if, if that happens so then so if if man united decide all right we're gonna play outside of uefa what does that mean for marcus rashford who wants to play for the english national team like is he banned or does he have to find another club like i think there's a lot of things you'd have to work out that are not like yes money talks but i don't know i think there's just there's there's a lot of things that you'd have to work out and like the situation has been pretty similar i'd say for like the last at least 10 years where like you have clubs that have really separated themselves in terms of money and titles and whatnot and and we still are kind of where we're at so i mm-hmm. i don't know anyway uh good email from george even if it was a weird question you're probably not sleeping a lot right now we get it uh we appreciate the email uh next email is from raymond Orozco. He was watching Mexico play the Netherlands. He was watching the game on ESPN, English language broadcast. And he says, and I quote, I find it crazy in today's network uh, that features the men's na- the Mexican national team that they don't have a Mexican expert that is arguably the, for the, the, arguably the most popular team in the United States. And half of the fandom is English uh, language speaking or English dominant. No disrespect to Adrian Healy and Alejandro Moreno, but I just don't think they watch Mexican soccer on a weekly basis. 
So I think this is a really good point from from uh, Raymond. Like, you know, I think we as uh, as folks who don't support the Mexican national team, like we don't follow them as much. But like Raymond's point is right. Like the Mexican team is is better supported in the U.S. Uh, than the U.S. team is, and it's quite potentially better supported by English speakers in the U.S. than the U.S. men's national team is, and like the coverage of the team by ESPN is pretty shoddy. Um, yeah. And I was I was trying to think of like who would be a good person to to be the play by play or be the the people who cover it, and like um, Hercules Gomez came to mind, like American but played in Mexico for many years. Uh, like already works for the the network so like he's an option Sebi Salazar like another option like a, a guy who I know followed the Mexican national team as a kid and still does but like they probably need to to go outside their family and just like yeah get someone who say. really follows the league and and lives in Mexico and yeah I don't know what do, what do you guys think I mean, about when this? ESPN had the Premier League they brought in Ian Dark right mm-hmm. they didn't I mean, they also tried to make uh, Gus Johnson work, and that didn't work, right? But <laughs> like the Fox. success they had, they that went out. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, point being, that you go out and get an expert. You don't have to do it from within. Um, so yes, they probably have better options inside of ESPN already. But like, go get someone we haven't heard of. If they are good, then we will like it. Like yeah. it's fine. Go get somebody that knows what they're talking about. At this point, I think um, the there's enough knowledge in the United States that like we can tell the difference. So like, please go get somebody that's good at their job for us. Thanks. I would, I mean, I, I agree with that. And like, but I do think that Adrian Healy is at least serious. Uh, Fox has, I can't even remember the guy's name, but him and like Alexi lawless on their, world cup or whatever tournament oh, the, like thing. wild kind of older yeah guy. the guy that's like goofy and he has like this weird shtick i don't know what his name is but i mean at least adrian healy is serious and uh, uh who's the other guy yeah, I don't, why, I mean, why can't i, don't I remember think his name right now bad, but if they're i mean they're presenting a mexican national team game and they're not mexican national team experts right so yeah, like, yeah 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 no i that's like they don't, they don't have the intimate knowledge of the players of the liga mx to like really talk about the game i think that's kind of what, what raymond's point was yeah i get that i definitely understand that i i'm i do get because like for the u.s men's national team it's taylor twelman and and ian dark now right and like i do wonder how much connection taylor twelman has now um with the team i think that he talks a lot about his past experience uh and he's like trying to spread himself so thin on espn where he's starting to comment on like boxing at this point like i feel like he's starting to kind of phase himself out of whatever his his like niche is so even then i think espn just doesn't put the right people in the right positions but that's a different podcast all right well we'll we'll save the rest of that conversation for the other podcast then <laughs> All right. Oof, next one, man. We are like 50 minutes deep and still going on emails. I love it. This is so good. I love uh, it. God, this is honestly like might be one of the best emails we've ever gotten. Uh, I really enjoyed this. Um, so Pedro gives us a little weather chat. 145 days of 100 plus degree, 100 plus degree weather in Phoenix this year. 
Um, holy shit, Ouch. that is that is so hot. It's in the 30s today in Minnesota, and I was complaining, but um, I'm not <laughs> complaining anymore. Also, Pedro notes he's taking a geography class. Shout out to you, Pedro. I was a geography major. Geography is the shit. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's not even the part of the email that I love the most. Uh, all right. So Pedro's grow- growing up like we all are. Uh, he says, uh, when I was little, I always looked up to athletes because they were older than me and I perceived their work to be the work of elders. Now that I'm, quote, <laughs> older, I perceive them differently and I'm not sure how to precisely describe it, but it's weird. It's Question weird. of the week is, when you, get, when you got older, did the age dynamics change your perception of sports at all? I'm not trying to call you all out because I know you all... Y'all aren't old, which we are. We're pretty old. Some of us even have our own little people that we've created. I'm going to be real honest. Sitting in this bed is hurting my back. You don't think he's old. (laughs) That's not a young man mustache. Um, But yeah, this this shit is weird. Well, the facts of the greatest players of the generation at the moment, Messi and LeBron, will they be uh, like, what's it like when they're as old as you or younger? I don't know. This is a great question. This is something I thought about all the time. I remember like... I'm sure we all had that moment when pro athletes were our age or younger and you're just like, fuck, I'm not going to become a pro athlete. (laughs) (laughs) Or now, or now when you're like looking at LeBron and what LeBron has done and like there, everyone's talking like he's, he's at the peak of his, uh, not, not the peak of his career, but he's kind of on the downslope of his career where he is going to retire soon. And like, I'm the same age as LeBron and LeBron's talking about, uh, retiring um that is like a real thing i've also uh i've also had this like i've thought about this a lot in terms of like um cheering for for these guys like yeah these guys are young kids and uh you know grown-ass men in stadiums painting their face yelling at people that are like 20 years they're younger names on their back yeah exactly and then, <laughs> this is an then, 18 year old whose name i'm wearing yeah. on my back and then like they have a bad game and you're like these guys are bums like they're terrible it's just like <laughs> what the fuck what is this what yeah, this it's is so it's different so when they're bizarre. 10 years older than you for that yeah yeah yep. or like when they're 10 years older you know you can look up to them and be like this right. guy is my hero and then yeah when you're their age you look at them and they're like they're incredible that's amazing but like uh i don't know i'm not gonna like canonize these people you know they're just humans um it it, yeah it's definitely it's it is a weird transition before we get into the 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 deep psychology i just want to tell the story that mike was talking about of being like oh when you realize that these guys are the same age as you and you realize you're not going to be a pro athlete it was i was in high school and i had a a fucking letdown yeah, it's such a fucking long time. I was in high school and I had a pair of Everton shin guards. And I remember uh, I got these shin guards. I was so pumped. Like it was really hard at the time to get like branded stuff from England. Right. You had to like go on their actual club store, which is probably like you got a catalog and then you like mailed a check in an envelope to England. And then it came back with some yeah, stuff yeah. like six weeks later. And I got these Everton shin guards and they were awesome. And I was like, yes, this is so sweet. I love this club. And they had a young player coming through at the same age as me, Wayne Rooney. And he scores all these goals and he's the same fucking age as me. And he's just like tearing up this league that, you know, I'm a backup keeper on my high school team, whatever, like utility player. And I'm just like, 
fuck, man. This is it, this guy is my same age and like I'm wearing the shin guards and pumped about that. And he's, I don't know, already done. He's already done it. He's a world beater. Like that was I mean, it for me. On the flip side of that, have you ever been knocked out in your own kitchen though? So it's I'm a much better defensive boxer than he is. So, yeah. you know, there's that. <laughs> I mean, I think the the other kind of the flip side that Palmer was getting onto a little bit is like, I have a whole new respect for, you know, guys who are playing like well into their thirties and obviously they're doing a lot. Vince more, Carter. They're doing so much oh, more to like yeah. keep their themselves in yeah. shape and treat their bodies well, which I, you know, I kind of gave up too. on a while ago, yeah. but like, I went for a yeah, run yesterday. Just, my hip hurts. <laughs> I don't go for runs at all. And my hip hurts. So <laughs> yeah, I can barely like, get out of bed and I don't do shit. <laughs> It is. You're just like, it's incredible that you know Vince Carter is dunking at 40, or Ryan Giggs is you know Player of the Year in the Premier League at 38 or yep. whatever, and just yep. like what that, what kind of like mental strength that takes to just keep on pushing your body after so many years, and knowing that you're not actually going to get better anymore, you're just trying to stave off the cliff, and like yeah, and that's, discipline. That's pretty like, amazing. The the mental yeah. strength and the discipline to like continue to take care of your body and like. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think for me there are two things as I've gotten older that I respect. The first is, um, yeah, just like the the like you're saying, the ability to like maximize your potential because having a lot of potential is not that impressive. Actually, developing the potential is really really impressive. Um, so like, I don't know. I look at players now and less than I'm like, oh, he's so good, he's a superstar. It's more like, are they a good dude or girl? Right, like. Like Rapino, for example, is like an idol. She's probably younger than I am, but it's it might be close, right? But like she's doing awesome stuff, right? Like mm-hmm. she's an amazing player, but there are a lot of amazing players out there. So can I like the actual person? Right. Um, and so, you know, that's not hard to understand like how I probably feel about Cristiano Ronaldo, who has not had a career that's suggested he's an amazing person on the field or off the field or whatever else. He's you know, amazing soccer player, but like at some point I stopped caring quite so much about that. Um, the other thing that I've come to realize is like, especially for young guys, you just don't know where your career is going to go. May, like I am a huge fan of dudes making decisions that earn them money while they're healthy and their knees are intact and like whatever else, like go get your money. Cause you could be done by the time you're 24. So like sign a big contract don't like club allegiances like it's all business right the, the club owner doesn't have any allegiance to you you should not have any allegiance to the club owner go get your money you have no idea how long you're gonna last i think in my old age those are the two things that have like changed the way i'm am with fandom quite a bit yeah yeah i mean i think as we've all gotten older i'm gonna make a general statement you can tell me if i'm wrong but we've all cared about sports less than we did 15 years ago and we've started to care about other things more whether that's like interpersonal relationships or our family or like the places where we live and i think that kind of gets to what you're saying dan about like what is a person doing and especially this year with like so many more athletes in the u.s but globally uh like getting involved in politics uh or you know just speaking out on like what's happening in their community and like in some ways I care much less and I'm much less interested in the actual happenings on the field. And I'm more interested in like 
the sort of culture around sports and like what that looks yeah. like. Yeah. Well, this year also like, yeah, some people absolutely like standing out and being amazing, but also lots of people being exposed as idiots. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like Djokovic, I used to be a big Djokovic fan. Uh, and this year has not helped him with me at all. Right. Like he's had some petulant behavior, obviously on the court, but like off the court, he's hosting parties during COVID and stuff. And it's like, right. th- there's really been an opportunity um, when life gets real to see who you actually have any respect for and who you don't. Yeah, and, would, uh, and it has very little to do with like on-field performance. Yeah. I would also say like our generation has probably had this evolution more than most in that when we were kids, like the, what I could say about some like, if they were my favorite baseball players, say who, uh, didn't play for the Brewers. So like not a team that was in my local market and I could see the, their highlights on the news and go to the games, uh, is like what I knew with it from them literally came off the back of a baseball card. Like right. those four corners contained all the information I knew about this player until next year's baseball card came out. Yeah. Right. And now, I mean, with Twitter and whatever, like you get so much more depth about that player than just their stats. You get to understand whether they are a good person or not, or whether they care about issues you care about. So I'm not saying that I would have cared about those things maybe when I was nine years old, but like today's 15 year olds can know those things about their, about their heroes and can know whether, uh, like that depth of a person, whereas we were less exposed to it. So when we were cheering for whatever the mid nineties Packers, like we didn't know anything about Mike Tremura until he got into, until he got arrested. Exactly right? right. Like yeah. then you were like, Oh, whoops. But yeah. if he had been on Twitter that whole time, you probably would have had some red flags. Right. Right. So I think that's, that's also part of this discussion is that we have much more visibility now. And, and yeah, we're certainly in a place that where we care about that care about what they're doing yeah all right i think this comes as no surprise to pedro uh knowing what we know of pedro uh he's got his head on straight and he's worried about the right things and he's supporting clubs that are not super clubs and so forth so forth so yeah uh seemed pretty natural for him i think yep great stuff pedro uh take fewer physical geography courses more human geography courses is my only only (laughs) comment just just a couple more emails holy jesus uh, all right, this one's from Carson. Uh, he wants our thoughts on what he calls the football version of the purge, which I absolutely love, which is um, the time when a uh, offside flag is up in between when the whistle is actually blown. Mm-hmm. And he wants our thoughts in particular on uh, Jordan Pickford. the tackle of Pickford on Virgil van Dyke yesterday. So uh, if you didn't see this, uh, Cross gets played in. Van Dyke is off sides, flag goes up, uh, Pickford doesn't, you know, whistle hasn't blown, Pickford doesn't see it's offside, comes out, very bad tackle on Van Dyke, probably busted his ACL, Van Dyke goes off. So this was kind of a, a, a different one maybe than what Carson's talking about because it was very bang-bang. Like, but, you know, often now we see, uh, we see like an offside call go up and then like the play is allowed to continue for like, 15, 20, 30 seconds until the whistle's actually blown for like the play to end. Um, but like basically, you know, Pickford has this horror tackle. Uh, he isn't penalized at all because the play was offsides. Like, should Pickford have been penalized? Like, how do we yeah. deal with this kind of in between space that's like part of the game 
but also not part of the game because the play's officially dead. I I think he could have been penalized for this. I mean, obviously not a penalty because the play was dead, but like you could've can been, for violent a, conduct, you can card. receive a red card at any time I mean, if he, after yeah, the sure. final whistle, whatever. Yeah, yeah. If he punches him like, in the face or whatever, but you can't just for like uh, if it's just like a bad tackle, right? I mean, this has precedent. I mean, this happened in PSG versus Madrid, uh, like last year, I think. Thibaut Torquois got sent off for a red card, and uh, there was a penalty. And then they, on VAR, they went back and said, actually, there was a foul in the buildup, and said that part of the play shouldn't have been allowed oh, to yeah. continue. That's right. And but was the, was that red card because Courtois of a back from the tackle? locker room? You know? Yeah, but was that? I don't remember this specifically. So tell me, was that because the tackle was dangerous, or because it was denial of a goal scoring opportunity? It was a yeah, denial I mean, of a goal scoring opportunity. opportunity, right? So which never would have happened. So there's a difference, yeah. right? So, but that's the point. Is he never has to make the tackle, like whatever. I mean, you're right. If it's if it's deemed like, right, like if he punches him in the face or whatever. Um, I mean, Obvious a flying knee high challenge is probably as dangerous. I mean, I mean, he's going. I, I'm I'm agreeing. For I'm just agreeing with Carson. Shouldn't be a ball right like uh you but know where it's still a it's still a uh that's still a cardable offense right just because so the denial of a goal scoring opportunity is one thing right but when you're when you like physically hurt somebody because you because of it because it's violent conduct you can go that that can be a red card that's sure the i understand like the whole I like Carson's uh, idea of like Purge. the purge and like yeah. the thing. This now time does no longer exist this, in this yeah, space, yeah. but like that's still violent conduct and that's still a cardable offense. For them to say like, oh, if uh, if we would have blown the whistle, then this just like it's a sliding doors thing, right? Like a, yeah. a butterfly flaps its wing, and uh, so, Jordan Pickford doesn't actually do this thing. It's yeah. like it's very similar to. Um, the NHL and like a delayed penalty, right? Where um, there like is a this. penalty that occurs, they put the hand up, but you still play until the the defending team touches the puck, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. it goes back, and then and then you know they get the they get a the uh, a six skater and like whatever, but yeah. like so why hasn't it, why hasn't anyone figured out that if it's a, there's a, like a clear offsides, but they haven't blown the whistle, that everyone should find the nearest opposing player and just shin them? <laughs> hard, right? like, because because if it's not a, because if the if this call goes the other way, then they all get red what, cards. This is what Carson. I mean, wants. it's worth it. Carson just wants mass hysteria during that <laughs> the moment that the the offside flag should go up. He just wants everything to just devolve into what about fighting. Like, while the while the referee is overlooking at the VAR screen, he's not watching the field. The players can do whatever they want. Everybody gets a wet willy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jose Mourinho's running around poking people in the eyes. <laughs> do Do you guys it's think like the teacher leaves the classroom? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a little. What it actually reminds me of is um, it's not a perfect analogy, but uh, in American football, if, if the defense jumps off sides and you have a free play, and like if you're the off like if you're the def if you throw a jump ball there if you're the wide receiver you can push that defender and like commit offensive pass interference because you're still getting worst a case. worst case yeah. scenario you get offsides you're you're okay right the defender on the other hand cannot do shit because if he pushes you now it's a 60 yard penalty or whatever right um so it is a little yeah. bit like like that scenario where the 
it sets up for one side to have an advantage here, maybe. I have a feeling that Dan's going to tell us his favorite stat. This is my favorite. My favorite American football stat is um, <laughs> I was watching a Packers game, and the commentator said, Aaron Rodgers is so good at pulling the defense off sides. And more amazing than that is that he has a perfect passer rating when he does it. He's thrown, <laughs> you know, 100 touchdowns, no interceptions, no, not even an incomplete pass. On three plays. <laughs> yeah, that's because the play doesn't exist if it's incomplete. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, he's amazing it's so good no, it's, we're so dumb this country's so stupid <laughs> um all right do, i mean do you guys think pickford should be penalized for this should he no. get yes i think you oh. should get a red or a, there's there precedent should... for the courtois it's pro- dangerous it's different colin you're missing the, this is not a professional tactical foul this is a dangerous reckless violent foul there's a difference between right. those two things no he's going for the ball there and i agree it's a foul but it's that doesn't make it not dangerous, if, uh, Colin. If, if Colin, this is not offsides, does Colin? Colin what, also first of all, I'm not sure he's on this way offsides. Yeah, first of all, obviously both of these offsides in this game were way offsides, miles Nailed offsides, it. easy calls. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I mean, as a, as in reality, uh, obviously I'll say that, but in reality, uh, I think VAR here gets it. The thing we should be concerned about with VAR is not this purge enforcement thing because i actually think it's correct we can argue about it but the offside thing where we go back and look at offside and a guy can be a millimeter off blah 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 and we act like there's that kind of precision on the measurement is the stupidest fucking thing in the world like that is honestly the stupidest fucking thing it is so i'm i'm happy that it went everton's way this this week that's what happens when you're top of the table you know you're a big club like everton you get the calls but uh it's the stu- that's the stupidest fucking part about this that focusing on the fact that there was a foul afterwards is, is I get it because VVD's got hurt now but that's not the real problem the real problem is the offside part yeah yeah I, I, I love the purge I will be referring to the purge more often um, it is that is so good it is so I I just am picturing like possible offsides and then waiting and then just everyone just fighting each other it's so good yeah, yeah. Um, all right, guys, I'm, I'm not 90 minutes fit here, so I'm going to have to drop off. I don't know if you want to carry on. We still have another email. We still have, you know, 35 minutes of Colin, you know, doing whatever he does right now. Uh, podcasting. I have so many shirts still on. I got to take off. (laughs) Uh, we should finish this last email. It is from Jeffrey Swick. Shout out Jeff. Thanks for the email. Uh, basically agreeing with uh, Colin here. VAR is such a piece of shit. The whole drawing the line thing is stupid and gives it an air of legitimacy that it does not deserve. I am pretty sure that that is like very correct. It's a two-dimensional picture. They draw these lines. They say that somehow that like interpolates the third dimension into all these things. I don't think that's possible. It's just just a fuzzy picture and you're like, is his toe at that pixel or that pixel? Like, Mm -hmm. get the fuck out of here. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, Jeff says, you should be able to pull up the best frame and immediately say whether there was an egregious error or not. Yeah, we talked about that, I think, last week. Yeah, you have this scenario where you want like nine guys or something to each have a button that like they either... I want 10. 10. I want 10 and it's nine to one or it stands. That's it. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I mean, I think it's, it, it is, I think it's as simple as the way NFL does it, right? It's, yeah, the call is confirmed the call is overturned or the call stands as called there on wasn't the field, enough evidence, right? Because yeah. there wasn't enough evidence 
to turn it over, right? So yep. that third that was category called a goal. not existing is what's wrong, basically. Exactly. I mean, that was called a goal on the field. If you're gonna, you're gonna, like, he's a millimeter offside. You can't fucking tell a millimeter. It doesn't matter yeah. how like not good the technology yeah. is. You can't do it. So there's not enough evidence. The call stands, or uh, you know, it's just, it's so, it's just ridiculous. It's you, you can figure this out. And I don't know how they've bungled it so bad. Yeah, absolutely. I like on the um, Mane offsides at the end of that Everton-Liverpool game, they added extra lines that they don't usually add to really make sure they got that calculation. Yeah, it's stupid. just like, fuck off. It's, it's also like, I think personally, the goal line technology, which I love goal line technology, has done us a disservice on the offside piece. Yeah. Because the goal line yes. technology is doing a much simpler problem of right. telling whether that ball is crossed. And uh, so it can be much more precise right. and get it right every time. And just like a computer can just do it. And then all of a sudden we expect that precision from offside. Or I, I don't know. We do not clearly, but whoever the premier league or whoever does FIFA does. And that's wrong. That's just fucking wrong. Right. Uh, and it's, it's not even the rule. Like a lot of people are like, well, it's the issue is that the rule in the offside, like, as the letter of the law, it's like, oh, if his toenail is offsides, the, is that in the book? That if his toenail is offside, then he's technically offside, right? Like, it's that is not that's not the rule, you know. Like, you are extrapolating the rule out to make it fit into the letter of the law. It's like interpreting the Constitution or some shit. Exactly, <laughs> right? Right. Oh boy. Uh, Jeff does say he enjoys when we social the sprinkle commentary in. So um, should we should we go to uh, constitutional <laughs> interpretation? Uh, so I think policy. this uh, relates to the uh, what the Senate uh, or the confirming yeah. Supreme Court justice this week. Uh, yeah. Blah blah blah. Yep. All right. We're we're long. That's the email. So that was amazing. Thank you, everybody. Um, quick hits. Everton still amazing. Colin still happy. Yeah. Spurs are still Spurs. Spurs still Spurs. Ryan still sad. Pulisic back for Chelsea. They draw. He looked uh, good. He looked okay. Okay, good. Weston McKinney has COVID out for Juventus. Are we worried? Uh, uh, I don't know, worried, but uh, feel for him. Not good. That's yeah. not a good thing. It's not going to help. Not not his fault. Cristiano Ronaldo, Ronaldo, obviously the super spreader in that team. Wow. What are you going to do? Allegedly. Uh, Live by the Dest? Cristiano, die by the Cristiano. Sergio Dest with a start, an American starting games for Barcelona in the league. Incredible. Uh, hard, incredible. hard stop. They, hard stop. There. Don't talk about anything else. He okay. started. All right. He I started. good thing. I have a good thing to say about him. I watched the every touch from his his uh, whatever, like the c- compilation highlights of every touch. And he looked okay. Fine. He's good. He looked like another good Barcelona player. But what was impressive to me is that he played both sides of the field. He started the game at left back, finished the game at right back. That is some good shit. Hopefully that a gets him on the field more, but that will certainly be helpful for, for the U.S. Whatever, Greg Greg Berhalter for whatever Berhalter decides. To yeah, do exactly. Is that he can actually play both when of he those plays positions. Plays him as goalkeeper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, other quick hits. MLS is doing its thing, but it's falling apart because everyone's getting COVID. Anything else? I got nothing. Mm, nope. All right, Thanks, Cliff. All right. Excellent. See you guys. Thanks, Cliff. Interpret these nuts.
I got a busy day. I got a busy day today. This is an all-business podcast, baby. On this week's podcast, how to turn your money into more money. Uh, I'm listening. We got the band back together. It's all four dudes. Four dudes, four dudes, four dudes. Oh, I was in such a good mood. I was in such a good mood. Now I'm just really fucking upset. Dan Dan has never looked more like Zlatan than right now, actually. I think I'm where Colin was. We have to play the games. This question's went from zero to 60. Why would you want to swing? Such a fucking letdown. I'm, I'm agreeing. I'm just agreeing with Carson. I have a feeling that Dan's going to tell us his favorite stat. Jeff does say he enjoys when we social the sprinkle commentary in. So um, 